Welcome to the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com, where we talk to photographers from around the globe about turning action figures, Lego, miniatures, and more into fantastic works of art. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another edition of the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com. This is Oliver Peterson, or Oliver Sees on Instagram, and I'm happy to present what turned out to be a lively, in-depth interview with the one and only Chris Checkers Lynch, best known to you as ShizPix66. A 44-year-old toy photographer and proud dad from Massachusetts, Chris primarily shoots outdoors on the beaches of Cape Cod with a heavy focus on both 6-inch and 3.75-inch Star Wars figures and vehicles. His ShizPix66 account has a loyal fan base of nearly 11,000 followers and, among other accomplishments, his work earned him a spot among the Hasbro Toy Pick finalists displayed by the toy giant at San Diego Comic-Con, New York Toy Fair, and later, Star Wars Celebration. A quick note, uh, during the interview, I mistakenly said that Scott Blyne had only been a toy photographer for one to two years. He's excellent, but he's actually been at it for about five years and seriously at it for about three. I was actually thinking of the inestimable Jason B. Michael, who has a similar style to Scott and made incredible strides in a short amount of time with his excellent photos. Anyway, Chris Lynch... Also known as ChezPix66, is one of my favorite photographers in the game, and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I hope you do as well. How's it going, man? Going good, going good. Thank you for inviting me to do this. I, uh, I appreciate you doing it. Um, we've been struggling with some technical difficulties and trying to get all this figured out because this is my first time running the show, so to speak. So, um, luckily, the audience doesn't have to know anything about that except that i just told you um so i guess let's just start off um why don't you just tell me like how you got into all this like into toy photography i think it sort of started as a mix of a always done a lot of outdoor landscaping photography or taking pictures on hikes taking pictures of nature um it was a mix of that and when my daughter was younger she was very into and still is uh, into setting up her toys, making like scenes and dioramas. Like even at a young age, at like two, that was what she'd like to do with her toys. And I kind of got in the habit of after she'd go to bed, I'd make little dioramas like on the coffee table in the living room with her toys to have like a big setup or a scene for her when she woke up in the morning. <laughs> That's um, awesome. You know, we'd also do that throughout the day, and I started taking pictures of some of the setups that we did or that I did, um, you know, more from a humor standpoint rather than like artistic. Um, and I just started posting them. And then sometimes I was just doing some just for me and posting them online. Um, and kind of just discovered that there was this whole world on Instagram of toy photography and toy photographers and caught a couple of, other people out there who were posting pics of toys outside. And I was like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, I go to sunsets a lot and take pictures or go to the beach. Like I'll just, why not insert toy here and do that? Um, or like, you know, we always go on a lot of hikes and whatnot. Same thing. Like I at least throw a couple of pictures, uh, figures in my pocket. And back then I was just taking pictures with my iPhone. Yeah. I just, you know, just, uh, started just more from a fun humor aspect. So, so you were not like a toy collector before? I mean, it was just your your kids' stuff at first. For the most part, my kids' stuff. Yeah, I 
I had a few things still laying around from maybe like a decade previously, but I kind of stopped buying toys and collecting them. Uh, but my daughter got really into Star Wars early, just from seeing some of the imagery. Like, um, we bought her, my wife had bought her a Star Wars t-shirt, and she just would not stop asking. It was like one of the original, like the original Star Wars poster, um, kind of cartoony though, with extra characters on it. And she would just constantly ask about who's this, what's that. So, you know, I think she was not even two years old, and she asked for a General Grievous figure that needed to have articulation and a cape and four lightsabers. Um, and I got her, I got her like the vintage collection Grievous, you know, back when it was actually affordable and, uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. Like she, she wanted, she hated five point articulation figures for the most part. She wanted everything like super articulated. So I started buying vintage collection figures and, yeah, started using her figures and then they became it's like a mix of what's hers what's mine she doesn't really play with them anymore so i just kind of but definitely started collecting again and collecting my own and you know the black series as well now and that's awesome man i i love that um i mean i know uh whether you were a collector or not i know that you are a long time lifelong star wars fan um so it must have been really cool for you that your daughter sort of organically had this interest Yes, it was. I mean, as always, my phrase back then was my wife opened the door and then I just kicked her through it. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, ah, she's too young. We'll wait to show her Star Wars. Or, um, you know, I was still like a year or two away from it. And it just like, yeah, I think she was like a, like a year and eight or nine months old when it started. Anyway, I still did. I had some old Star Wars figures and toys around. Actually, like my little brother, like we... He, my dad pulled out his old, um, like Millennium Falcon and Ad At Walker and stuff, uh, like that he had from like you know Power of the Force era. But yeah, that all my her interest just sort of reinvigorated me into collecting, and you know managed to scrape together a lot of the vintage collection before the market went completely bananas. <laughs> At like which point did you sort of say to yourself like? okay, I'm doing this. Like, I'm a toy photographer now, not just a guy who takes pictures of toys, if you know what I mean. Um, I guess, uh, well, my way of answering that would be at one point, I borrowed a DSLR from my mom. Because, you know, I've been, been doing it. You know, I saw pictures from, like, Captain Chaos, Sergeant Bananas. Uh, you know, I've said many times, like, Matt and Johnny's work especially from an outdoor aspect, uh, just really blew my mind back then. And, you know, really showed me what could be done uh, with, like, a real camera and getting outside, at least at that time, you know. You know, people do a lot of great things with iPhones these days. But, um, you know, I borrowed my mom's camera. I was like, I'm going to really go out and try to take some shots over the next couple of weeks and, like, see what a difference it makes, what I can accomplish, and then, like, decide if I'm going to buy my own equipment and, like, go with this. I mean... I don't really ever, I can't say I really ever had an epiphany where I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, doing this as a thing. Uh, Matt Rohde, uh, Captain Chaos, he, um, I mean, I definitely see the correlations between your work and the outside. They're both beautiful and, uh, you know, sort of taking advantage of this um, East Coast beauty. Uh, you know, you're um, out by boston and cape cod you're shooting on those beaches and he's out here actually he lives very close to me yeah yeah um uh so he's shooting out here in the uh in shelter island those guys kind of 
helped shape your interest, do you think? Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, as I said, you know, and Spencer Sweat Picks was another one. I remember way back when he had a series of shots that he shot at the Redwoods as well. Um, that still sticks out in my mind with like his scout troopers and bike troopers and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, those guys were definitely the, what really at the beginning, like really kickstarted me, I guess, uh, mentally to be like, okay, we can take this to a, like a higher level. And, you know, I mean, my progression, I think was a little slow <laughs> at the time. Um, you know, some, at least in some areas, I mean, I said, I always say I'm very blessed with the locations I get to shoot at a lot of times. You know, I'm not on Cape Cod all year round, but um, I take full advantage of it when I am down there. I, I was scrolling through your account and I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I went back quite a ways, you know, when I, you know, I wanted to see sort of before you were at the quality you are now to sort of see, but even when I was pretty far along back there, I was like, man, these really didn't suck. You know, like your <laughs> pictures, like my pictures, my early pictures suck, like suck. But uh, I didn't get that uh, feeling with yours so much. Like I was like, oh, okay, you know, he got better, but they weren't like trash, you know. Um, so, yeah, you go way back there. I got you know, one of my nativity scenes with Magna Guards, <laughs> the Fisher Price toys. Um, I didn't see those. <laughs> yeah, you can go way, way back. But yeah, um, thank you for that. But it's—I don't know. I mean, I always give thanks to Mother Nature. Does a lot of the work and what I shoot. It's just, it's over the years, it's been a lot of trial and error. And a lot of us just get, I mean, it's out there. I mean, every night it's a different sky, a different sunset. I mean, you know, unless it's completely clear skies and it's kind of, you know, almost get bored of those, but it's, you just, you never really know what's going to happen when you get out there. Yeah. I mean, your work is, uh, I would, you know, definitely to me, at least when I think of sort of your iconic what I think of as your style, your iconic pictures, I definitely think of those shots on that beach. I mean, it's almost that location is almost like emblematic of your work now. I mean, do you, would you say that's true? Or I'd agree, and I'm happy to admit that and love it. I mean, it's, you know, a couple of, especially one particular spot um, down there in Brewster on the Cape. Yeah, to me, I just always say it's like, it, it's my church. Like, I just, I mean, for me, a lot of it's just, I just love being out there and shooting out there. You know, if I don't always get, like, the best shots, like, I'm just still glad I'm out there. I mean, a lot of times I'll shoot and I'll just then sit there after sunset at twilight and just, get, you know, well, like, now I've gotten into, like, really loving to shoot at twilight as well. But, you know, sometimes I just sit out there for half an hour, 40 minutes afterwards and just, you know, being out there. You know. Once the sun goes down, if there was even any anyone else around, like, they all usually leave. So you're kind of just the only one there. You know, I may or may not have my daughter with me, but uh, in terms of what you're shooting, like why um, the focus on Star Wars? I mean, again, partly, you know, my daughter's interest in Star Wars peaked, and we started collecting all the toys. Like that was a large part of what was on hand to shoot, and then also just our locales, like being at the the beach settings, that obviously work as a Tatooine or just a far off planet somewhere or we're also kind of in the woods a lot um just sort of we're like a natural easy fit um for those for those characters and definitely once i started recollecting the figures or collecting more you know i kind of wanted 
them all or you know as many as I could, <laughs> as many as I could get and I was so far behind I was like I can't there's so many other toy lines like I maybe love or would like to shoot but especially back then starting out I was like I was playing so much catch up just collecting Star Wars stuff I was like I can't you know I, I held off even getting the Black Series for a while I was like I'm just only getting 375 and stuff and eventually you know we kind of got a lot of that and I caved on the black series as well so now like i'm kind of doing both um and part of it's even you know just you know time and money um recently started collecting like the you know vitruvian hacks stuff from boss fight uh, which is another line i held off on for a while and kind of regret that i did but yeah and just i mean you know massive huge long-term love of star wars but it's just like you know it's as far as toy lines out there, it's Star Wars would be like my favorite thing. And then, yeah, just I felt like I had too much Star Wars stuff to collect and too many Star Wars stories to tell. You know, I still feel like I haven't done every shot, like uh, the stuff I thought about years ago, I still haven't done and I still want to do. Especially now with more new Star Wars property coming out, like it almost sidetracks my brain. Though, like, do you keep track of your ideas? Like, do you draw, draw them out in a notebook or write them down? Or? I write them down from time to time. I'll either write them down or like start like a little list on my phone uh, of shot ideas. Yes, but not all of them. Some of them are just sort of in my head, and yeah, I honestly will forget about it. And six months, a year later, I'll be like, oh, I should still do that shot. And, um, you know, but I'd say like half my shots I get just sort of happen in the moment. Like, you know, just just get out there and start shooting, just start playing around. A lot of times I'll do like three, four, five setups all at once. I'll be out there with them like kind of around me in like a half circle, or you know, and just shooting them as the sun goes down, or shooting stuff from different angles and just seeing what happens. I mean, it's you know, definitely some shots are planned and they come out the way I want. And a lot of them though are just, you know, you're just out there shooting and it's the light hits a certain way and you get the right angle. For those people who don't know or haven't seen uh, Chris's work, one of the things, uh, at least that I, I, some of my favorites of his shots are uh, these giant um, shots out on the beach where it looks like Tatooine Desert, and you have the Katana um, Jabba's sail barge, which is a gigantic toy uh, uh, with like Slave One flying over them. These are all, you know, full full scale, three seven or one eighteenth scale vehicles and not uh, micro machines um and i i, I mean i love i love it i love it and um it's quite a commitment to bring all those huge vehicles down to the beach right um and you're attracting attention too i would imagine it it, it is and i do um you know and thankfully where we are on the cape at sunset i mean there's people but it's not you know it's generally not a mob scene but i do attract attention but most people are very receptive or very interested and think it's awesome and you know sometimes it can be a little odd but uh, i definitely think when i started one of the times when i do take the the barge out there i know that's you know kind of a scene because i usually have that my camera equipment usually like another tote bag or two worth of figures you know my daughter trailing behind me carrying stuff and <laughs> um and some of the you know the place where i really like to shoot too it takes i mean we hike out like low tide there in the bay like the water goes out at dead low tide it's like a half mile three quarters of a mile that just flats 
uh, you know, with some tidal pools, but it's like, I mean, we'll hike out like half a mile out on the flats to shoot, carry all that stuff out there. So it's, 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 it's nice. Those flats. Um, I was actually thinking about you. Um, I was shooting, um, the new, um, McFarlane, uh, Dune, one of the new Dune figures, the Stilgar on the beach on my way home yesterday. And, uh, you know, there's always like either, you know, you're going to have water in the background or you're going to have houses in the background Mm -hmm. or, you know, and you can play with the angles, but it's hard to sometimes get um, just the right spot where you're not seeing any of those things to really get a desert effect. Uh, Those flats, I would imagine, make it a bit easier because you have a lot of distance to um, and then lower your focal length. Um, But do you do do you um, do you do any stuff in post to get rid of um, things in the background? Very rarely, sometimes, um, but honestly, very rarely as far as having to remove things from the background. Um, I mean, this is my favorite spot there, uh, Payne's Creek Beach and Brewster. I tried to, I recently found there was a, someone took a cool aerial drone shot of it. My favorite, that one's kind of a weird one where it doesn't actually, it's not straight flats. It's almost like the... When the tide goes out there, it creates almost like these giant sandbars that are uh, perpendicular to the beach. And there's almost like, you know, usually you get a sandbar, they're kind of like these parallel sandbars, but the water kind of goes out funny there. And they're, they're these insanely long, they're still pretty wide, but they're more like these sandbars that go out almost towards the sun. In the summer, like the angle of the sun and the sandbars there, like it's like these... 200 foot wide like almost mile long sandbars that point at the sun you know down there i mean there's not much down there especially you know this time of year the sun's setting at an angle where if depending on what beach you go to you you do have to sort of fight the background as far as like houses or trees uh, vegetation what are you using to um put your ships up Uh, i mean i I guess the katana came with did it come with a, a flight stand i can't remember I don't have it. It's one of my big regrets not getting it, but anyway. It has um, four, uh, like, leg, like, clear plastic leg stands that attach to the bottom of it. And for that particular vehicle, I just use the existing stands. And uh, I will I will edit those out in post and Photoshop, yeah. You know, you're talking about, like, the Slave One shot flying in that I did with the barge. I actually set the shot up. Uh, my daughter took the picture. I was holding Slave 1, like, sort of out of frame, just with my arm in it, and I edited, like, but I angled it, so the only part was just, like, my arm sticking out the side of it, and I edited out my arm in Photoshop, and, like, the, yeah, I edited out the post on the katana afterwards. Yeah, minor things like that, like, I've only even recently got, you know, some shots with figures, like, I've only recently started using wires to, you know, sort of make them jumping through the air or whatever. Like my big thing over the years was almost like never doing that, which would cause a lot of frustration because it is, I mean, it tends to be really windy on Cape Cod and I've, I've learned to use that to my advantage and some stuff, but a lot of times it's, you know, figures falling over left and right, losing my mind and just fighting it. Um, but I could probably make myself, you know, life easier if I, use more stands or wires, things like that. But I don't know. I just still haven't gotten in the habit of it. I don't really know what it was before. There was some sort of level of, I'm out here in nature. I'm going to do this naturally. And just, I didn't want to deal with post-production work, I guess. But 
I think uh, also relating to like Captain Chaos and that, um, you know, his work is very uh, pure that way as well. Um, you know, he's done a few things where he's tried out the like sort of Johnny style special effects or whatever. But I noticed that that's not something that uh, you go after either so much. So I, I do see that that, you know, little atmosphere aerosol maybe, but. Uh, yeah, I've thought about the special effects. I've come close a few times, but I mean, mostly I yeah, just atmosphere aerosol. If any explosions I've really ever had in shots would just use like a, there's a app lens FX that I use sometimes to add in a little explosions or a little extra smoke. Um, partly, I just know one thing where we are in Cape Cod, like I think the one thing I wouldn't get a, I feel like I'd get in trouble for would be lighting fireworks off out on those beaches. And right. Though certain times, I mean, this time of year, again, I go out and shoot. Or, I mean, even sometimes in the early spring, I go out there and it's like, there's not a person in sight. Um, you know, it's cold. <laughs> but there's, there's nobody there. Uh, and, and when you were saying you use the wind to your advantage, I'm thinking of probably like that nice, and I, I've gotten this even out in the Hamptons on the beaches there, but like the kind of nice layer of like sand just blowing along the surface of the of the ground kind of thing, that, that sort of stuff, or, or what are you talking about when you say that? Yes, that um, sometimes, um, though actually where we are, a lot of the sand out on the flats, is it's so fine, you the camera doesn't really pick it up. Uh, m most of the time, even just more with like uh, like uh, capes flapping in the wind, um, or adding to the motion of shots. Like, yeah, I, I only own like one wired cape, so for the most part, like if you see a shot of mine and there's like someone's robe or cape is flapping around or flying through the air, like that's all natural. The wind. Do you, how do you protect your camera in the wind? I don't really. I do have a. Um, <laughs> This is where my non-camera knowledge shows. I do have a, I have a hood on it that I use uh, on my lenses, but that's about it. Like I don't have any, I don't um, don't have any extra protection. I'm pretty, my cameras go through a lot. I had to replace my Nikon, the body. Like it, last year, I had something was either inside of it or a light leak, and like the shop couldn't fix it. Uh, and it was like, you know, spots were showing up on all my photos. And sometimes I'd actually use those spots and be like, oh, that looks like a little planet in the sky. Or I, a lot of times I was having to, having to go and edit stuff out. But I mean, yeah, a lot of uh, out there on the beach, like I don't wrap my camera or anything. Like they, it just goes through. Mine, mine too. Mine too. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Part, uh, probably why I probably haven't really invested in anything like too crazy because I just know myself like. And also just the way I like to shoot. Like I said, I'm like, you know, I'm diving around and climbing on rocks and just, you know, especially too, a lot of times you're saying like the wind, like I stand a figure up and like, I know a gust of wind's going to blow in 10 seconds and knock it over. So I'm literally diving down onto my stomach onto the <laughs> ground and going prone to get a shot. Or like, I mean, we, we took a trip to Iceland almost two years ago now. And like I shooting there, like, I mean, I was out sideways rain and just crazy weather and like yeah you know, i just had my camera out in it like you know not wrapped in anything not protecting it just was like oh so with with that uh so you, i know you're you said you're not like a huge um tech nerd with the camera stuff but what, what's sort of what, what's in your bag gear wise um so i got a nikon d3500 these days for a body and just a batch. I mean, I got the Nikon. I got a 50 millimeter fix that I use a lot. I uh, recently picked up the Nikon, the 40 millimeter 
their sort of macro micro lens. Those are the two main lenses these days I use uh, a long time ago, and I haven't used it in a while. I used to use a 200 millimeter like telephoto lens, um, like a I think it was like a 50 to 200 adjustable, and I, I'd always I'd always have it out to the 200, and I'd shoot stuff that way. Like a lot of my old photos, like that was you know before I got the 50, like that was where I kind of got a good blur, like with the aperture, like managed to get some bokeh or whatnot or blur in the background by shooting uh the figures from you know i don't know maybe like 15 20 feet away from them at times with the lens all zoomed all the way out or sometimes even further do you do you um uh two things i guess uh, do you use a tripod rarely and what about um uh like a do you use um like a, a remote shutter or, or a timer on your camera or do you is it all pretty much finger snap uh i use the timer sometimes um i don't use the uh the remote i had one i couldn't get it to work and i just kind of stopped trying um something i should another thing i should do but even again just the style i do um it's mostly all handheld you know, again, a lot of times I'm in like some weird, awkward positions, like with the rocks or uh, whatnot at the beach. I mean, not on the flats, not as much, but um, I mean, a lot of times when I'm doing those shots too, I, I'm actually I dig little ditches in the sand on the flats, even just you know a couple of inches, just to get that slightly lower angle. So like, yeah, I'm just laying on my stomach. The camera is like on the sand. You know, I'll, I'll use sand as a tripod, to be honest, sometimes. So, you know, whatever I have on hand. And again, my daughter helps me a lot too, sometimes. Like, sometimes she, like, I'll set up the shot and just she'll take the shot or she'll be spraying the atmosphere aerosol for me. Or, you know, or sometimes I'm doing all of it and I'm just out there contorted in these, like, funny ways. I love that you that you use this to bond with your daughter. It's cool. I do the same thing too, because you know I shoot on beaches semi frequently out here, and um, I do the same thing. Just dig in to get a little bit lower there. Yeah, you know, it's nice. It gets messy, um, but <laughs> I find like I've become completely dependent on timers and remote shutters, mostly timers now. But um, because, just because I tend to get motion, unless my shutter speed is really high, you know fast, but it's like I tend to get a little bit of you know, it softens my picture. It gives me a lack of crispness there. Um, but so even in those kind of uh, sunset times, times a day, you're able to get enough light not to have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I said it's been a process of trial and error over the years and just learning how to shoot the sun and the sunsets. I mean, I do, I've gotten to the point now where I will go and like use Lightroom and do some light adjustments on like shadows and whatnot and in some shots. Um, not, you know, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes out of want. I mean, it's kind of over the years sort of changed what I do or what I'm going for with the sunsets, um, whether I'm like trying to get full silhouettes or getting extra, you know, actually being able to see more of the characters now. You know, a couple of times recently, I've been starting to use like, you know, I have a loom cube that I've started using a little bit more at sunsets, which I previously only really ever used for indoor stuff. Oh, so you have shot indoor stuff. Yeah, not a lot. They're there. Um, I said I got one up on the wall behind me. Um, yeah, but not a lot. I mean, primarily it's a lot more outdoor. I mean, a few of my indoor shots are probably some of my favorite ones I've ever taken, but it's probably just because I feel 
some sort of sense of pride with it because I do definitely still struggle with indoor. I'm getting better at it, but it's 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 harder when you're used to shooting outside. You know, I, some of the indoor people say outside's too hard because it's too hard to control. But it's yeah, it's definitely a common thing. I mean, it's probably just what you get used to and what. As I said, part of me, a big part of me for just shooting is just my love of being in these locations. Like you know, I was going a lot of these places before the toys were involved. Uh, I just added them to the whole dynamic. What kind of tips can you offer? like um, either new photographers or photographers that haven't tried as far as like shooting at that golden hour in terms of, and not just settings, but like, I mean, you must, you have to get, I'm sure you get there a certain amount of time ahead of time. You know the location, so you know kind of where the sun's going to be. But like, what? T- tell me a little bit about that. Like get some things to for people that maybe could help them in their photography. Yeah, I mean, generally, depending on how much, like, setup you want to do, um, I usually try to get there, like, about two hours, hour and a half at the least before actual sunset, um, just to give yourself some time to sort of set up and get ready to go. Like, somewhere about that, like, about an hour before sunset is when you start getting, like, uh, prime light, um, you know, what you might think of more as like the golden hour is probably even more really just like a half hour, about an hour before sunset. And then that last half hour is like still cool light, but it's not really like golden glowing light either. I don't know. That's when the fire happens. <laughs> um, do, you use, do you use bounce cards? No. Yeah. Um, so like is, is the sun like um, behind your, your vehicle? Let's say, for instance, that shot behind you, um, you're... Those who are listening, he's on. We're talking over video, and he has a. We'll put it on the uh, on the post, but um, he's got a picture of Jabba's sail barge, and some skiffs flying alongside it, uh, and it's sort of slightly silhouetted with this orange light behind it. T- tell me about that shot. Um, I mean that shot. The sun itself is like slightly off to the left out of the frame of that shot, so there's maybe like a forty-five degree angle to it, because you kind of can. You can see a bit of the sunlight reflecting on like the left side of the barge there. It's um trying to if I remember correctly, the sun was also at that point sort of partially uh was going behind some cloud cover, not fully, like sort of like wispy clouds. So I sort of added a little bit more uh I don't know, a little bit more strangeness and dynamic to the light. Um but I mean, yeah. You know, again, for that shot, yeah, the sun's at like uh, shoot it at like a slight angle. But I mean, I, I do a lot of whether you know the sun's at an angle, the sun's directly behind stuff. Yeah, you know, I think I've gone through phases with that over the years too. Like what I even personally prefer. Do you want to kind of get the sun right behind the figure and get kind of that crazy light glare coming out from the sides of the figure? or... Are those are the Tatooine twin suns in your picture? Are one of those suns real? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever edited in two suns. I think it's edited. I might have once. Ed- oh no! I mean, like in my shots, one of them's always real, and one of them obviously isn't. Um, <laughs> I think maybe once I did a shot with there was there was. I think maybe once I did a shot with no suns, and I put both of them in there myself, but um. Yeah, I mean, different. That's like a mix of just straight up creating the sun in Photoshop 
sometimes I've even just sort of copy and pasted the existing sun in Photoshop, but a lot of times I just use like the brush application. I kind of have a technique of uh, making a sun with the paintbrush in Photoshop. They're beautiful, dude. I, I've been a fan of your work for a long time, um, but uh, you know when you started, I mean those shots with the barge and stuff, I just totally blew me away when I first saw those. They're really good. Um, yeah, thank you. I need to do more of those. <laughs> three seven five or six inch, which 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 in the in the in the end, where 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 does it go? Three seventy five, without question. I collect both as well, um, but of course I run a. 118th scale Instagram page that makes me a little bit more privy to that. Um, uh, do you do uh, customs or dioramas at all? Uh, stuff like that? Minimally. Um, yeah, most of custom wise, mostly just kit bashing. I have painted a few figures of my own. Um, that was just with the, uh, the boss fight Vitruvian hacks line. Um, I'm actually planning on painting and working on a custom mandalorian boba fett this week um i started kit bashing them here in boston and I, all my paint and everything's down on the cape right now so um yeah diorama yeah a little for the most part no just kind of dabble with it a bit like you know started making like castle walls and stuff with my daughter during lockdown with the xps foam and painting that using the habit of just random household items or cardboard molding for like buildings or walls or they make especially for the 375 scale like a lot of times since they make for like good cantina walls or nooks and crannies uh i know yeah so it, along with star wars i mean you you um you don't have like you're not collecting 50 different toy lines as, no as you, as you said <laughs> but Along, but along with Star Wars, you are doing Vitruvian hacks. You're doing um, Mythic Legions. Um, I think I've seen a Lord of the Rings shot of yours. Um, but mostly, it seems like it's Star Wars and then kind of high fantasy. Um, do you do you, uh, you and I are the same age? You're 44, right? Yes. So you're born in '76. Um, we kind of, I think, grew up in the same era. Yeah. Uh, we did, obviously, um, uh, which is was hugely influenced by star wars um but i also grew up playing dungeons and dragons and kind of uh, reading fantasy novels was that stuff part of your life or did you just sort of like the figures no uh that part was that was all massively uh part of my childhood as well um be it reading the novels or i actually played D and D or a version of D and D a lot with my dad and his friends um, when I was younger. I think I started playing with them when I was like nine, maybe ten, up until I was about thirteen or fourteen. Um, and they had been playing for years. They had sort of taken the core game and made their own sort of more turn-based uh, tactical version of it. Um, so it was more about the combat rather than the story. So your dad must be young. Your dad must be young for, I mean, he's not young now, obviously, but I'm like, my dad was, he died in 2008, he was 70, but I, I can't imagine him playing Dungeons and Dragons, but maybe it's just because he was from a different world. No, right? my dad is, no, I mean, I'd say younger. I mean, my dad is 71 now, fairly young at the time, massive board game uh, player, um, yeah, a lot of that as well, young and, you know, a lot of miniatures, painting miniatures. That was a big thing. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings was 
a huge part on both my mom and my dad. My mother is very into fantasy as well, just uh, more from, you know, literature and reading and movies and stuff, not the game playing. But, you know, they were both into that, at least as far as a entertainment. Uh, so I got, a lot, I got a lot of that as a kid. Uh, you know, I was you know, pretty into G.I. Joe and Transformers as well as a kid, but those are two other massive toy lines I don't need to be collecting. Uh, no, dude, it's so, it's just, it's, and there's so much, it's such a hard, I mean, it's an amazing time to be a toy collector because there's so much great stuff, but it's also very hard when you, it is, yeah. you know, a crack, a sort of plastic crackhead, as it were, you know. <laughs> it's, I, I've struggled a lot with, you know, you mentioned Mythic Legions. I mean, I love that stuff. I love those guys, but just, I don't know. It kind of it came down to me like I've kind of I haven't really bought much Mythic Legion stuff recently. I mean I have like a small collection and which I also just need to shoot more. Um, and I have a couple of figures on pre-order, but it's like you know the the boss fight hacks people are uh, they're a local company here in Massachusetts, and it's like you know a couple of shops here sell their stuff. And before COVID, like they have a storefront as well. Like I know one thought I was like for the most part, if you know. I don't feel like I have to buy all their figures right away, right when they come out. Like it was sort of a nice change. I mean, it's the same problem these days with a lot of the Hasbro Star Wars stuff. Like I got to buy it now. I don't know if I really want it, but if I don't buy it now, it's going to cost me like six months down the road. Um, like the hacks for the most part is like, Oh, you know, I could go buy a new figure once a week or every couple of weeks and like, they'll still be there. Um, and it was, it was refreshing. <laughs> You know what else is nice about, for me anyway, about hacks is that where with Star Wars, I kind of feel like, well, I've got to have all these characters. I have to have everybody. With hacks, they're just, they're, they're not licensed right. related characters. So you what you them. want. You yep. can choose the ones you like and you don't, yeah. And it doesn't feel like, oh, but I'm going to need, uh, you know, that random dude for, you know, uh, a scene. Um well, it's like, well, you think that, and then again, like I said, like you know, six months later or something, you just something pops in your head, but like, oh my god, I have this idea, I want to, now I got to go get that figure and shoot it, or yeah, you know, there are some figures that I'm like, I never wanted, and some randomly I'll just end up picking them up, and the next thing I know, like I'm sh shooting all these shots with them, or you know, or a year later I'm like, yeah, I never thought I'd want this figure or buy it, and I'm like, something happens, and I'm like. I want it and I get all these crazy ideas and, you know, but it's nice to be able to be like, it's attainable. I can just like go to the store, or just order it at face value and, you know, we'll come in a week. And <laughs> yeah. Mo most, most of the hacks, they don't, you know, some sell out eventually, but they, you know, there's still some of the ones from like the very first releases. I mean, there are some that are gone too, that have gone. Yeah. Some of the early, the, like, the Greek, like the Spartans and stuff, the the first waves. Yeah, that stuff. Like they 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 never made the Athenians again. I've got a whole bunch of them, but uh, you know they never made those guys again. That stuff skyrocketed in value. But uh... yeah, and I mean I went I went in the, there's a local shop here, uh, Kamikaze in Somerville, Mass that has sells their stuff. But you know, I was going in there buying stuff like buying up their old collections of Star Wars figures and saw the hacks from like day one and like just. Stare, I was like, those look really nice, but I'm already buying, you know, I'm already spending a whole bunch of money on Star Wars figures. Like, I can't buy those right now. You know, years later now, yeah, they're like 100 bucks a pop, or if you're lucky for some of those. 
They're they're excellent figures though for anyone listening who hasn't seen them. Um, it's boss fights too, and they're also great people. I, I met them um, a couple a couple times at, at Toy Fair, and they just couldn't be cooler people. And they're just so into what they're doing. Um, totally passionate. A great. I think they're a yeah, great I company. Um, agree wholeheartedly with all that. Yeah, I like met them in the shop, and I've taken some of their customizing painting classes for the. We're doing like you know order of a blank figure, a new character, and like you have like a four week course of painting it from scratch and showing you the techniques and they've been great fun to do with those guys. Speaking also of Mythic Legions, you know, if you are questioning to possibly want to buy or not to buy, but if you've got the disposable income to do it, I say to everybody, that's one toy line that is just guaranteed to just multiply in value. So you can always sell them for a lot more than you bought them for. You know, if you get in on the... Uh, there is that, yes. <laughs> if, you, if you get, not that we're uh, promoting scalping, but you know, uh, but if you get in on the on the on them early in those pre-orders, they're a lot of they go for a lot of money. Tell me, um, uh, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Is and does that favorite character line up with your favorite Star Wars toy? It does not. Um, God, you're like my daughter. She was just grilling me about this the other day. Uh, General Grievous is my favorite character. Uh, my favorite Star Wars figure is still the Vintage Collection Dengar figure, by far. My favorite toy, a favorite figure ever made, ever created. I, ch- I cheated because I actually read that on uh, toylovers.club. Um, has a nice interview with Chris uh, that is worth checking out, I think, um, for sure. So anyway, you mentioned it in that interview. Uh, I did know that ahead of time. <laughs> I think I hold fast to the you know, favorite character. Sometimes I waffle on, but, you know. Grievous is still up there and for I don't know what you know I yell at myself all the time like I need to shoot more Grievous and all scales and all versions and I don't but I don't know why <laughs> but I love that he was also the first figure you got your daughter that's probably part of it yeah for sure um I think just go going back to the old animated the original animated like Clone Wars of like the version of him in that just always kind of blew me away. It's just how kick ass and how sinister he was. And... What, what what is your daughter's name? Was she, was she will she listen to this? Ah, uh, she might. She was pretty psyched to hear I was doing. My daughter's name is Strummer. Strummer after Joe. Yes. Awesome. I met Joe. Did you? Yeah, I, I went and saw the Mescaleros in um, Brooklyn about a couple of years before he died, and I uh, went to the bar afterwards, and he was in there with uh, Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I literally just was like, hi, Joe, hey, hi. He shook his hand and ran away, but I got yeah. to meet him for a second. It's like another fun, well, almost parallel in our lives. It's probably the same tour. I saw them in Boston, and he, I passed up the opportunity to, like, there was a local Irish dive bar near the club that we all would go to all the time drinking anyway and like you know they're like oh you know joe was gonna probably be there after the show and i don't know i just was having a moment and just wanted to go home after the show and did and like you know the next day everyone's talking about how they were hanging out with joe at the bar all like you know for hours after the show and (laughs) oh man and then i did get to see him play one more time after that but yeah i never got to meet him and I have to, I have to give credit. My, it was my wife's idea to, to name our daughter, well, our child, Strummer. We didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, but that was our top choice for a name, for regardless of what the child was going to be. What a thrill to see that show, man! Like, 
I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really like know the Mescaleros when I went and saw them, but I obviously was a huge lifelong Clash fan and, you know, um, big audio dynamite, fine, I'm really Clash. But, um, you know, hearing him play uh, like White Man and Hammersmith Palais live was just mm -hmm. like one of the highlights in my life. It was amazing. Yeah, that first Mescaleros tour, I mean, I liked the Mescaleros music as well, but that first tour when they only had like the first album material. So the set list was heavily peppered with clash tunes was, was really amazing. Yep. There's, there's still no Joe Strummer action figure. <laughs> Bring it back to toys. as my segue. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> um, do you, uh, do you have like, um, I, I mean, I know that um, at least personally, I've interacted with you a fair amount over the last couple of years. Um, do you have a fair amount of interaction with people in the community? Um, I'd say yes, but sometimes it's sporadic, um, though I would take most of the blame for that. Um, especially lately, the last year or so, even just trying to catch up and follow everybody's work that I do follow, like, there are some times when I barely get to look at Instagram for days, and I do make a point to try to go back and look at everything that everyone's posted that I follow, which... That's also why I don't follow a, a ton of people because <laughs> I really do want to like actually try to look at people's work that I choose to follow. Um, and, you know, it's generally very heavily Star Wars orientated, like people that I follow. So, I mean, just sometimes just even a like, scroll sort of look at people's pictures, maybe post a comment on them or what. Like if I don't look at it for days, it's the next thing I know I just spend an hour and a half on Instagram you know this is just the way life is just like in some days i just don't have the time literally or the time and the mental energy to do it um you know and i am said to you previously like i am a bit of an introvert at times so it's um you know there are people i chat with and i have no problem chatting with i guess a lot of times i'm not the one if someone reaches out to me i'll converse and interact with them but a lot of times i'm not one to initiate that but i mean again a lot of time you know i I'm the one I generally, I'm just like, I was a stay at home dad for the first four years of my daughter's life. And, you know, I'm still generally her primary caregiver. Um, I'm 44, I'm not ancient, but, you know, I lived a, a hard life, lived it up in my young days. So it's, you know, running with an eight year old and trying to do all this. And it's just, it's a lot and just my mental energy more than anything. So. <laughs> Hey, hey, man. I, I, I relate, man. I, I mean, I, you know, I'd, lo I'd love to interact more with people and chat. And, you know, I, I do. Um, but, you know, definitely not as much as I can tell other people in the community um, do with each other. But with what, with what you see, and, and, you know, there's a lot more people doing this now than there were. I mean, I know, I think you were used probably started maybe around the same time as I did. I don't know, like 2014, 2013 time, something like that. Yeah, the 14, I want to say. But it's grown. I mean, the, the, the community's grown. There's a lot more people doing it. There's a lot more talented. I mean, the quality has gotten better from everybody, and it's raised the bar from even the new guys who are just starting out better. They are. They're, they definitely are. <laughs> some people, I mean, some people just show up and just start posting crazy stuff and sometimes i'm like yeah but i mean i see the effort and the work they put into it and a lot of times it's like i just I, for myself i'm like i just i don't have the time and the energy to, to do that all um 
Especially with a lot of the indoor stuff. Dudes like Scott Blind, I think he's been doing this like a year. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I heard it was like a year, maybe two, but that guy's awesome. He's amazing. And, uh, you know, he just sort of seems like right out of the gate, a couple of these guys are like just great. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, Sean, uh, visual approach photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, he's just, I mean, he blows me away constantly, and he just kind of, uh, yeah, he definitely has a photography background, but, like, just out the gate. Like, I mean, he, I feel like he's raised the bar for indoor stuff immensely over the last, like, six months to a year. But, yeah, I mean, playing, yeah, you're, you're totally right. A lot of people are like the new people. <laughs> show up and you know it's like you know a lot of times people have been shooting like oh look at my my first photos were garbage i was like no like yeah go back and look at like <laughs> right go back and look at the old photos of like the old old you know the old heads like you want to see some trash myself <laughs> included but you know i mean even when i started it was already a massive community it's that was huge it's just gotten even bigger now you know, it's for me, it's just still, you know, it's if, as long as it's fun to do, I'm going to keep doing it. Like, I think Hasbro doing that Hasbro toy pick during the Force Awakens, um, that challenge, which you were part of and, and were one of the uh, winners or finalists, whatever you want to call it, the people who they displayed at San Diego Comic-Con and Toy Fair that year, um, uh, I think helped. Uh, raise awareness of toy photography. Um, what, tell me, what was that like um, when you found out that you were chosen for that? Shocking. <laughs> yeah, just it was shocking and exciting. I mean, even still, I mean, the photo they chose to use on that too was a photo I took with my iPhone. And I remember at the time I had just started, I think it was like around the time when I borrowed my mom's DSLR and I'd submitted a bunch of other pictures that I was hoping they were going to use and when they picked that one i was kind of like oh god like that's like the worst one you could choose um definitely psyched and honored to be a part of it but you know but i was still so new to the whole thing like it's you know i feel like a lot of what it was or what it meant to some extent just kind of went over my head because you know i was blown away by it but it's also just like okay this is happening uh and that led to, I mean, I, I don't know what your relationship is with Hasbro now, but I do know just scrolling through, like, so I was also one of the finalists in that, in that Hasbro toy pick. I had one photo, uh, but I, and, and it sort of led me to a couple of other little small interactions with Hasbro, but it was definitely, I was definitely like the D-list, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there were guys who've been going on with whole things with them, um, but I did notice that you also got sent the uh like for instance the little micro force figures which they sent to me as well they sent those um, to me yeah i mean sometimes i feel like that's when i screwed up with hands but i remember they sent those to me to shoot i shot them i think i only posted like one pick with them like just i don't remember exactly i remember just sort of like life side like i got those figures and just didn't really was it a point where i just wasn't shooting a lot uh, you know, I know we discussed before, like I tended a lot of times, like I will shoot the bulk of what I post during the year during the summer months. And just, I have like a back catalog. And I feel like I got those figures in the fall. And like, I did a couple of shots of them was playing around with my daughter and I just, just wasn't shooting and didn't do much with them. And then didn't 
you know, I don't know, didn't post enough to help advertise, you know, advertise the product or whatever. That was wasn't the last time I had dealings with them, but that was the last time they sent me products. <laughs> let's let's be honest though, they weren't exactly uh, a thrill. No, they were fun. I did. Admittedly, when we went to Iceland, I brought them. Probably, you know, I just throw them in my pocket. They're easy. Um, and I tried to shoot them in Iceland, and they were. It's. I mean, most days it's so windy there. Uh, most of the times when I would try to shoot them, the wind would literally pick them up and blow them away. Like, <laughs> or like they move so much, like they they just come out so blurry all the time. I had a hard time with them too uh, because I didn't have a macro lens at the time. Now I do, but they were so small. Yeah, I did. I still, I mean, I, you know, I, again, like I still have a few photos I did take and I just also just didn't post for whatever reason. And I'm still like, hey, maybe I should post these sometime. But yeah, my last involvement with Hasbro was like right after the barge came out for um, Celebration in Chicago where they had the whole loop thing. And they did feature, I think I had four photos featured of that, where they had the, uh, I mean, there were a bunch of people featured, um, and I actually went to Celebration just to see that, and they had, like, the, the, the big TV video screen at the Hasbro booth on the floor, where it was, like, a giant slideshow. Instead of a big poster board, it was a, you know, like a 60-inch TV screen that would just sort of... Uh, slowly went through everybody's photos that were part of it. That's exciting. That's exciting. I mean, that's cool. It was definitely cool and different. I personally, I, prefer, I, I like the giant. I just I know they didn't have space for it that year, but I was like, I kind of like the giant cardboard wall thing. But with, so like every everyone's work is just up there at once. I didn't get. To, I didn't ever. I have obviously I have pictures of it, but I didn't. Get, I didn't get to see my stuff up on the wall um, on the thing because I didn't get to San Diego. But uh, yeah, celebration was fine. I got to meet uh, a few people in person at that, like uh, Brandon, skeleton astronaut, who is probably one of the people I do interact or you know text with the most in the community. Yes, and an amazing human being. <laughs> Have you had interactions or any other like big moments like that with uh, other companies or uh, people who have liked to follow your work or anything like that? Uh, as far as companies, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say one of the next years back, uh, Nick Shakem and um, Adam, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Adam uh, Mandalorian Forty is his handle on Instagram. He hasn't really been posting a lot of toy photos these days, but um. They both live up in New Hampshire, and they, they came down to the Cape. Like, we met up one summer, and I took them around all the spots on the Cape, and, like, man, still probably one of the most memorable sunsets I've ever been to. Uh, lucked out on that and just had, like, a whole day shooting around and going to sunset with those guys. You know, wish, you know, more meetups were possible with, you know, anyone, though. You know, should have met up with those guys more in my life, but, you know, my just, you know, real life is busy, but. Yeah, I really feel like there's a lot of toy photographers in and around Boston proper. New England, maybe, yes, but like right in Boston and definitely not out on Cape Cod. <laughs> oh, I want to, I, I just while I'm thinking about it, this is sort of a non sequitur, um, not a great segue, but I, uh, we were talking about your wife before, um, and I wanted to know, just because I think everyone kind of relates with this, um, for the married toy photographers or um, how is she, is she uh, supportive of what you do? Um, and uh, what was it like for you bringing home the sail barge? <laughs> uh, she's very supportive. Um, 
she kind of, you know, for a long time wanted me to get a hobby of some sort. Um, and she says or thinks, you know, it keeps me out of trouble, which is also kind of what I think about it. It's, you know, uh, it's better I'm out there taking pictures of toys than like hanging out at the bar drinking or whatnot, what have you. I mean, as far as she knew the barge was coming, she was all about it. Like when it got announced and, you know, she saw it, she's like, she said something along the lines like, she's like, you should get it. You kind of need to get it. Like you're not getting anything for Christmas, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, order up. Like she, you know, she realized it was something special. You know, didn't raise a fuss about it. Um. <laughs> My wife's also very supportive of what I do, but I, I didn't. I just was like, I don't know if bringing this home, having this show up at the door will go over very well, um, and especially at the price. So I, I didn't do it, and uh, I still regret it. But Yeah, I mean, if anything, she yells, she, she got mad at me for like not buying two and like selling one off. Again, not to be a scalper, but just, you know, even I had the thought of like to buy two and like sell one off, or, you know, just to cover like, you know, not exorbitant prices, but, you know, cover the cost of the whole endeavor. I, I was going to do that with the Razor Crest, but the thing is, it's like, you got to wait a year to get your return on that, so. There is that, uh, I don't know, there's so many, like, the Razor Crest had more time. I mean, you know, the, the barge, I think, is going to be a rarer thing because it was so from out of nowhere, and they gave such a short window of time for people to come up with the funds and back it. Just, I remember, they, you know, they ended up beating the goal in the end, but that went down on the wire. I mean, the Razor Crest was backed in, what, 24 hours? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the, the Mandalorian especially is so hot. but um, This is true. You know, <laughs> in terms of other um, accomplishments, you had mentioned to me, we were sort of prepping for this and talking about it the other day, that um, you sort of, people were recognizing you um, on Cape Cod. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, because it is a, you know, generally a smaller community out there and down there. And I do, I, I tag all my photos with the locations of the beaches I go to. And I definitely encounter people that have discovered my work by, you know, like maybe just on Instagram, like looking at pictures of said beach or whatnot, or they sort of see me and watch me. You know, a lot of the beaches I go to frequently, and the people, I guess, you know, they're there a lot too. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been seeing you here for a while. And like, you know, really wanted to know what you were doing and took a look, found your work. Or, um, wasn't there a woman who's kind of like, you're the guy, you're that dude? I did, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I did one evening at sunset. I was there with my daughter, and there was like a, I think we were sitting with another woman and her kids, and, uh, younger photographer was walking by at the beach and she kind of did a double take and she was like oh my god you're him um was like excuse me she's like you're the guy and i was like what huh what she's like you're the guy you're like you're him and i'm like yeah and she kept kind of stammering and stuttering and was like you're the guy like that you you take the star wars pictures at, you know at sunset and at the beaches and like me and my photographer friends like love your work and like we you know i she was like a local photographer and they had like a photographer group club that, you know, did, I got the impression they did a lot of landscape photography or what have you. And like, again, I think they caught my work just via like checking locations on like Instagram or whatever. And, you know, had like, you would discuss my work or like a bit of a weird, like a fan club or not, not a fan club, but 
um yeah i I, I, I love that i do but it is great like you know again out there like most people i run into that are either familiar with my work or find out what i'm doing are always like really into it and psyched about it um yeah i think i mentioned you i found out through the grapevine that like one of the local high schools like the photography teacher is like using my work as part of the the, the photography curriculum to, I don't have all the, don't know all the details about it but have you not been tempted to go and talk to them or do like it would you consider doing like a presentation for the kids I guess I would be I've never I you know it's, it's probably like I'm not, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to like stuff like that or promoting myself or branching out like as I was gonna say like you know sort of doubling back a bit to my wife like you know she probably helps pimp out or promote my, my work, you know, more than I do, even just like through her connections or people she knows or, um, but yeah, I probably should. Cause again, it's like, we, I found out about the photography thing, like through another, a friend who's a teacher at the school, but it's like the thought doesn't even cross my mind. Like, uh, you know, even like obviously pre current times, but to be like, Oh, like maybe I could come in and like do a workshop with the kids. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I I should, and I I would, yeah. Like I mean, I've just, we spoke a little bit about previously. Like at times when I've been out there on the beach, like you know, I'll look up and there's like groups of kids all sitting around watching me, and you know, I can usually tell or pick out one or two that are more interested in, it and I've invited them over and like let them take pictures and try some shots themselves. They get like really into it, and so you know, I said, it's, uh, you know, it's digital. I'm like, take twenty pictures. I don't care. Like, go nuts. Yeah, I, I say I love that, man. And I think it's nice to introduce kids to this stuff. And, you know, I mean, I know what it was like. Like, I met my best friend, uh, you know, in in ninth grade. And we sort of, because he had a Spider-Man comic on his desk, or I did. I can't even remember now. But uh, we were sort of, like, slowly revealed to each other that we still played with the Joes <laughs> and collected them in ninth grade. But right. it's like, you know, it's nice for kids to see, like, hey, it's okay to, like, you know, be, have a hobby and be interested in these things. And, you know, you're not such a freak. No, definitely. I mean, I hope, I feel like kids grow up way too fast these days. And I myself grew up in certain ways, like way too fast. It's like, hang on to that as long as you can, like, you know, play with the toys, you know, you know, be a kid for as long as you can. Absolutely. Have you, speaking of sort of doing workshops or whatever, uh, do you have, um, uh, what do you sort of see yourself doing with this um, in the future? Like, do you, ever, do you, uh, maybe you already do do this, but have you sold prints or had art shows, you know, been in gallery shows, or is that something you're interested in or doing a book or do you have fantasies about any of that kind of stuff? I uh, haven't done any of that. Um, I've definitely thought about it, have some plans to, um, but at the same time, like nothing concrete, nothing major. The whole book thing has been a roundtable discussion for years. Um, even just something small to start with, like you just even a lot of like you know just my real life friends that know my work, they're like have kind of kicked at me to do that. Um, definitely thought about setting up some sort of like a print or like even doing like a calendar, but just to get started, uh, it's I don't know. So I just sometimes wonder. I mean, like it's cool to do and i'd appreciate anyone that would actually want to buy any of my work i mean i've you know i know a few other photographers like you know friends in the community i've sent like high resolute file or high resolution files of some of my shots where they want to like 
when you send me, like, I'd love to get a print of that. I'm like, here, I'll just send you the file. You want to print it out? Like, go for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just more stuff that I should get on top of more, get into. I mean, we, I don't know. I feel like we know a lot of people in the art community locally. Like, I feel like I could get show art shows or have my work put up places um, when, there are, when there are places again. Um. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, so I come from a, a fine arts background. I, I um, used to do mixed media painting, and I sold my work in galleries, not enough to make a living, but I would sell, you know, a few thousand dollars worth of work every year, and it was cool, and then I burnt out on it, and then that's when I got into toy photography. But um, so with that knowledge, just I come at it saying that I think that your work specific, I think toy photography in general, some of it is great on Instagram and can be amazing that won't necessarily always translate so well into a print that someone's going to buy. And I think that your work does translate really well into prints that people would buy because they're sort of, uh, I mean, do you know what I mean? It's sort of like certain, like, um, like ACBA, you know, you know, articulate yeah. comic book art stuff, you know, like some of that stuff. I, I don't know if it would as amazing as some shots are. There are a lot of shots that wouldn't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily see somebody like a non toy photographer person buying and hanging on their wall as much as I, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I get what you're, yeah, no, I definitely get what you're saying. And even just, you know, we started, my wife had some canvases made of some of my shots last year, like at Christmas and, you know, I've messed around with it a bit myself too. Like just even in doing that, even within my own work, like certain kinds of or certain types of shots, like when you blow them up to like a two foot by three foot print on a wall, like it just, it's a whole nother world than what it looks like on Instagram. Sometimes some of the ones that you like, I was so, you know, some of the prints we got, like it kind of ended up like the ones I was most excited about getting ended up being like no, not that they're bad, but like the, the the ones I liked the least, and the ones I was the least excited at getting, like when they were blown up on the wall, like like wow, that looks really cool, big. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would just say like sort of the, the natural outdoorness of the stuff I do would sort of a lot of times lend itself to being if you hang it up on a wall and it's bigger, like they're not quite as like loud and in your faces. Some, you know, just that toys themselves kind of naturally lend themselves to being like not even necessarily the photographer's work, but just the physical actual toys of sometimes they're just like, you know, it's like, hey, I'm a toy. Look at me. I had a show, uh, my first show showing my toy photography, and, and I've gotten better since then. So that helped, too. But my first one, I didn't sell anything. And I thought they were cool pictures, but they just weren't. They were dark. They just weren't. They didn't lend themselves to people wanting to buy them, you know? And then I changed my sort of outlook on how what I was going to do. And then my next show, I sold everything, <laughs> you know? So, I, I mean, I kept the prices low too, but, uh, you know, I, um, uh, so I, but I definitely think there's an art to figuring out what is going to work for people. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even be it in a setting where you're trying to sell the art or just, I mean, even on Instagram, sometimes it's... I find it quite interesting when I post my work, like what gets the bigger, better responses as opposed to what doesn't. I'm just, you know, people, it's everyone's entitled to like what they like and it's all good. Do, do you have any feelings? Um, um, uh, do you have any feelings about uh, where sort of toy photography might go as a whole, not specifically your photography, but in terms of just this sort of phenomenon that's happening right now? Do, do you see it? Do you imagine where it might go in the broader picture? 
Mm, only to a small extent. I mean, just even in like the handful of years I've been doing it, and again, I concede that it predates when I got into it. Like it had already been around for a while. Um, it's just grown to such a huge extent. I mean, on some ways, I I can't see it necessarily getting much bigger than it already is. Um, I could definitely see like techniques and like the just the the art of it um, just getting better and better, which it generally keeps that keeps happening. But I mean, I don't know. You know, I always dream about like, oh, could I you know do this as a career? But you know, I think it, that's still such a niche market to be like you know i'm only shooting toys um because you know anyone you know you maybe still mix that in with other photography work but it's just not really something i'm that interested in the industry's paying attention for sure they are yeah i mean it could i <laughs> probably not the best person to ask but i mean it, yeah i mean I, I see out there there's more and more people that get more opportunities through toy photography um but I feel like the amount of people that that happens for, too, is like such a small amount compared to how many people are out there doing it. So um, as we're getting just wrapping up here, I wanted to um, ask you um, a couple things. One, um, do you have any um, sort of tips for anybody getting into this? Like it doesn't have to be technical. It could be, you know, attitude wise, whatever. But is there anything that sort of helped you along the way or that you've had to learn the hard way that you could impart upon listeners? Yeah, I mean, as I've always said, I mean, the main thing is just to get out there and shoot and have fun. And in this digital age, like, you know, if you do a setup, I mean, don't be afraid. Just take 50, 100 photos and, like, you know, even just to get that one shot that you really like, like, just shoot, shoot, shoot. And, you know, for me, it was just getting out there, shooting, trying things, experimenting. And just sort of learning through trial and error um, and not really worrying about like technical aspects or like really thinking too hard on what I was doing. Just, yeah, getting out there and doing it. Yeah, just enjoy it. It's <laughs> that's the main thing. I mean, if you're I don't know, I can't imagine like starting from a standpoint of just like their main idea is to recreate like like a high end artistic photo but that has like no soul to it or no story behind it or like, I, yeah, that'd be another part of it. Just like try to tell a story. I mean, a lot of times I'll see new photographers and like the one thing I really appreciate. And sometimes I feel like I, even I get away from is just like the, uh, the photos that tell a story or have a story that have a lot of whimsy to them. You know, I mean, it's cool to do like big action shots and just crazy chaos and stuff. But I think for me, it, big part at the start and I still try is to, to give off a feeling or a mood or have like a story going on or you know or even you know or just you know, good humor I appreciate good humor I don't really do too many humor shots myself but um, something I love to see from other people in their work well I think uh, you're doing awesome stuff and I love um, like those pictures of you out there shooting with all your giant vehicles <laughs> Love that you're do you're doing it without fear, and you um, clearly love what you do, and uh, you can see it in your pictures. Um, so I, I really I'm, I, I thank you very much for coming on and, and talking to us about all this stuff. Yeah, thank you again for having me. I appreciate all that. Do you have any uh, last things you want to say? Like, would you let people know where they can find you? Um, 
Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I'm Chespick66 on Instagram. Um, really the only platform my work's posted there, you know, a couple of Facebook group pages for, you know, for the Petruvian hack stuff um, and well, Mythic Legions, but I don't do enough of those. I, uh, and, and you can also um, see Chris's work in some posts on the toyphotographers.com. Um, after all, this is the uh, official Toy Photographers podcast. And uh, Chris has contributed to uh, several of our recent posts about different subjects. And once again, you can find me, Oliver Sees, on Instagram and at 118AF, a 118th scale toy photography feature page I run on Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes or articles about toy photography, visit us at toyphotographers.com. The best way to connect with us on social media is on MeWe. Search for toyphotographers.com or find the link in the show notes. If MeWe's not your thing, visit us at Facebook, Toy Photographers, or on Twitter, at Toy Photo Blog, or on Instagram, at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Thanks again for listening. Last great film or TV series you watched? Uh, the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Favorite book or last book you read? Mm, I have to go with the whole series, the Malazan uh, Book of the Fallen series by Steven Erickson. It's a more recent time epic fantasy series that's actually done. I'm looking at you, George Martin. What, what's your grail toy that you don't have yet? Even though I admit that's a good question, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I might have been able to answer that, but I feel like I got them. Favorite lens? Uh, I still have to go with my fixed 50 millimeter with Nikon AFS. Unique piece of equipment or accessory in your bag? Don't really have one in my bag. I just say my sidekick, my daughter. Okay, I like that. Pocket assistant. Three toy photographers you admire? Captain Chaos. Uh, skeleton astronaut and probably say work more or less toy you still have from childhood clash of the titans kraken Ooh, good one missing it missing a tail and a fin but i still have it favorite star wars ship uh millennium falcon rate the star wars films in order best to worst best to worst not necessarily my favorites um empire strikes back return of the jedi a new hope revenge of the sith phantom menace Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, and Attack of the Clone. All right, man. Um, thanks again for doing this. I really uh, appreciate it. It's good talking to you.